Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoie, and we are so thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a longtime friend of the program, Chris Van Dyne of Phil Steele Publications, joining us here on the program as he's done over the past few football seasons. Chris, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, my friend? I'm great. It's been a turbulent football season, to say the least. Uh, a lot of unexpected uh outcomes and teams uh, performing above expectation below expectation it's always a great time of year though and you know we're getting some fall weather here in ohio which is always you know make, makes me feel like this is real football season yeah. now and my oh my chris we've already seen five coaches uh been shown the door they've lost their jobs we're seeing coaching changes and uh, obviously that's the big rumors that we're discussing here on the plains at auburn it's just a uh, a change in the sport people want to win right away and make changes and that sort of thing but already five firings at this point in the season as well i i, th- I think that it's just the way things have gone uh there's a lot of impatience when it comes to having success and because of the early signing day, it really changed things to where you can't wait until after the regular season's over to make your move because you want to get this recruiting class in shape and you have to, you know, start jumping on finding a new, uh, and finding your targets early. And, you know, the boosters have a lot of say in these things as well. So, yeah, you're getting a lot of guys losing their job very quickly early in tenures, second, third year guys getting fired. So I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon. I think this is kind of where where we're going to be for a while. It's crazy to uh, think about what's coming over the next few weeks. Already have five changes in leadership for college football programs, and uh, many more could be coming. Who knows? Chris Van Dyne joining us here on the show today. So let's talk about that Auburn football team. Five games into the season with a 3-2 and two record, 1-1 one and one in Southeastern Conference play. But, Chris, when you look at this Auburn football team, is there any one thing sort of that jumps out to you about the success or lack thereof so far this year for Auburn? I think that Auburn's a better better football team than people are giving them credit for. Uh, you look at the first five games, and the first couple games were underwhelming. The San Jose State does have a really good defense, and it's not surprising to me that that was a lower-scoring game. They hung around, and Auburn won the game. If Auburn finishes last week, they're 4-1 and one going into this Georgia game, and it feels like the, uh, the the sentiment towards this team might be a little different if they would have actually won that game, which they it looked like they had in the bag in the first half. They're up seventeen nothing. That touchdown that LSU got at the end of the first half really changed the momentum. And then Auburn, you know, took the turnover in the red zone. Uh, you know, some key mistakes really hurt them. But I, I was impressed with how they played. It just seems like whatever's happening at halftime really lets them down. That they, they were in control against Missouri a couple weeks ago. I, I will say this. I really like their front seven. I think that Auburn's front seven will keep them in a game with most teams. Even the Penn State game, they were in that game at halftime, and they, they let it slip away. Turnovers really hurt them. The offensive line really hurt them in that game, giving up six sacks. But this is an Auburn team that I think has a great front seven. I love their linebackers, and their defense will keep them in a lot of games. And, Chris, when you were looking – at this team and, and all of the struggles that it has as, as far as the offensive line is concerned. 
how difficult has it been to kind of evaluate the skill position players on Auburn's offense, including its quarterback play with the offensive line having uh, so many struggles so far this year? Well, it is definitely making it difficult to uh, analyze the quarterback play. You know, you lose Finley, so you're already down to your backup quarterback, and obviously Calzada is not going to be available this year. Um, and he, at least he's a mobile guy, so he is avoiding some sacks, and he, he's giving you a chance to extend some plays. They're not running the ball like a lot of people expected them to. Or, you know, in a lot of ways, they're also not committing to the run like I expected them to. Tank Bigsby, having 69 carries through five games, he seems like a guy that needs more carries than that. Jarquez Hunter does not have a lot of carries, only 34 through five games. They're throwing the ball, uh, you know, almost as much as they're running it, but that's skewed by the first two games where they were playing lesser opponents and really, you know, had a dominant run game in those games against lesser teams. But since then, they've really tried to throw the ball a lot, uh, not so much against Missouri, but 39 attempts last week in a game they were up 17 nothing. They didn't really need to throw it around like that. But Ashford did a decent job, and I, I think that as the season goes, you're going to see this, the offensive line improve, the off- the, the, the skill position Will be the skill position players will be helped by that. They do have some receivers that I think are talented. Javarius Johnson, Coy Moore, I think are solid receivers. They don't have that dynamic guy, which hurts them. Uh, and I do think they need more out of their tight end, who was very good last year, but has you know has just been run of the mill tight end this year so far. Five games into the season, and the Auburn Tigers have yet to play a football game away from Jordan Hare Stadium. That's going to change on Saturday when they get ready to take on Georgia, who just so happens to be the reigning national champions. Boy, oh boy, for this Auburn football team to have to go through travel procedures and that sort of thing with freshmen and newcomers, and it's like our first trip is going to take on Georgia. What a daunting task this is going to be. Uh, for Auburn fans, Chris, what is the first thing that they need to know about this Georgia squad that we'll see on Saturday? Well, naturally, you're the national champions coming back this year. You have a lot of talent. You're your defense is—I don't want to say decimated because you know—I think that's the wrong word. They're having to reload on defense with some new guys, and uh, they lost some key players, especially on on the uh, defensive line. But they, after the first two games, have looked a little bored. You know, I know that's the word that a lot of people have said. Uh, It almost seems to me like they're resting on their laurels a little bit. Uh, Really, after the first three games, that South Carolina game, they handled the Gamecocks. Gamecocks did move the ball on them, though, a little bit. South Carolina had 306 yards. Oregon moved on on them a little bit, 313 yards. They didn't punch it in in the red zone, uh, you know, and they turned the ball over both teams. But uh, when you look at last year, what – what Georgia's defense did. They were holding pretty much every team they played in the first five games under 200 yards. So this this defense is not as good as last year's, and they just don't seem to be uh, as motivated, I guess you could say. And last week it showed. You know, Two weeks ago after the Kent State game, I think a lot of people were like, all right, that was a weird game. They probably weren't up for that game, and they, they had a lot of weird things like 
fumbling a punt, and Stetson Bennett threw an interception at the Kent State five-yard line. So, all right, weird game, 17-point win. They got the job done. But then last week, to be down in the fourth quarter at Missouri, same team that Auburn played the week before, jumped on 14 nothing, and ended up, you know, fortunate to win a game in overtime, but won the game nonetheless. Um, it, 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 that was just an uninspiring performance by Georgia. Now, the fourth quarter, they did take over and dominate the game, uh, but it, it just makes you wonder if this Georgia team just doesn't have that killer instinct that last year they had, which happens to a lot of teams that win championships that that aren't accustomed to it. You know, Alabama doesn't happen to them because they're used to winning championships. They're used to just coming back next year and, and, and refocusing. Georgia hasn't had that happen. This is a new thing for them. Same thing that happened with LSU a couple of years ago. They won a national championship. Wasn't quite a uh, totally new thing for them, but it was new for their program as far as like the last 10 years. And it went really bad for them. It went really sideways to the point where Ed Orgeron got fired. So you have to wonder if there, there might be some things behind the scenes that we're not even seeing that might be causing these uh, underwhelming performances for Georgia. Still a great team, but I'll tell you right now, the point spread's 30 points, and that's double the largest line that Georgia's ever laid in this game. Uh, it, it, and at least as far back as our records go, we have point spreads back in 1976. 15 points last year that Georgia was laying that Auburn was the largest point spread in series history back to 76. This year they're doubling that at 30. Holy cow. So that seems like, <laughs> yeah, that seems like an overlay to me. I don't like the way Georgia's playing. Uh, if you're asking, if you were to ask me who I think is going to cover this game, I, I do think Auburn will. Uh, but I, I also think that, uh, you know, Georgia's a, a, a scary team to to play because they could put the throttle on anybody. Let's look at the rest of the SEC now, Chris. And uh, you got a couple other top ten teams beyond the, the obvious of Alabama and Georgia, where you got Tennessee at number eight, and you got Ole Miss at number nine. Uh, which one of those teams to you do you feel has uh, the best chance to make some noise? Obviously, each team has that big super team in their own division that's been. Uh, been dominant as of late, but but do you like Ole Miss's chances of taking down Alabama more or Tennessee's taking down Georgia? I'll give Tennessee a slight edge, mainly because of how Georgia's playing this year, and I do like Tennessee's offense a little more than I like Ole Miss's offense. I'll I'll take Hendon Hooker over Jackson Dart, especially you know after seeing the first five games. My question is, who has Ole Miss beat? Um, Troy is a you know a good Sunbelt team. I, I respect Troy's program. That they did not overwhelmingly beat Troy. They beat Central Arkansas, an FCS program, a dumpster fire Georgia Tech team, forty-two nothing. And then against Tulsa, Tulsa was down to their backup quarterback, and uh, Ole Miss won that game by eight and was shut out in the second half. It was a thirty-five fourteen game in the second quarter, and Ole Miss didn't score a point in the second half. That was that was kind of concerning to me. And then last week, even last week, uh, I thought Ole Miss had a chance to flex their muscles at home against Kentucky, and they didn't do it. They only won by three. I think that Tennessee's a little more battle tested. I've seen a little more from them. The the Florida game, you know, they they only won by five, but they were up by seventeen in the fourth quarter. And you know, Pitt. I know that Pitt lost to Georgia Tech last week, but that was a good win on the road. So I have some concerns about Tennessee's defense and the way they give up passing yards. But 
I think that if you're asking me between the two, Tennessee and uh, Ole Miss, I like Tennessee better as a team, and I think Tennessee's be- situation is better uh, against Georgia versus Alabama, versus Ole Miss. You know, assuming Bryce Young will come back healthy, which I, I, that's plenty of time between now and then. I, I I can't imagine Bryce Young won't be healthy by then. That game is not until November 12th. And they're coming. Uh, they'll be, you know, coming off some games where I think Alabama should we should roll easily. So I think that Alabama will be in, in better shape than Georgia will at that time. I, I think that Tennessee probably has a little bit of a better chance to navigate and, you know, be that underdog team to win the division. From a couple of teams that are up towards the top of the SEC to a team that was supposed to be towards the top of the SEC but is not right now, Texas A&M. Obviously, they've got the Alabama matchup that everyone was drooling over in the offseason, but now maybe drooling because of now. You, so you've got this that will probably put A&M down to 3-3. Three and three. How bad might it get for Texas A&M this year? Well, the schedule is not – Favorable, you know. Now you do come back after a lot after losing to Alabama, which is probably going to happen. Uh, you're going to be three and three, and you play South Carolina, but that is on the road against Spencer Rattler, who, you know, they haven't looked great, but I think they're improving. And Shane Beamer's team last year didn't look great at the beginning of the year, and they improved as the year went. You get a home game against Ole Miss, which I think is going to be huge for A uh, and M. That if they want to get things back to where, you know, there's some positivity going into next season. That is a game they probably have to win because otherwise you could be four and four, maybe even three and five if things were to go bad at South Carolina. And I don't know if you can rebound from that. They get Florida at home. And again, that's a tough game at Auburn. You know, we'll see what happens between now and then with Auburn and, you know, the coaching situation, uh, you get a gimme game against UMass and they end the season with LSU at home. Nice thing for them is they do end with four or five home games. So the, the, the home games are front are backloaded. But I just don't know about the quarterback situation with Haynes King now. It looks like he's going to be the starter the rest of the way after Max Johnson was hurt. And he is just a, looks like a turnover machine. They lost to Nia Smith, uh, their star wide receiver, and, 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 you know, and really an all-purpose guy for them. I, I, I have some serious concerns about A&M right now, but you know I don't know if they can make a change just because of how big Jimbo's uh, <laughs> buyout is. Chris Van Dyne is here with us from Phil Steele Publications. All right, let's move on to another SEC school here. Talk to me about Arkansas and Mississippi State, a game being played tomorrow. How could you see this one playing out, Chris? It really depends on K.J. Jefferson's status. They, I, I just I can't. I can't fathom what the Arkansas offense will look like without him. It didn't look great with Cade Fortin at the helm. K.J. Jefferson just adds such a, a dynamic threat as a runner and a passer. And without him, I just think that Arkansas offense becomes very, very one-dimensional. You know, Then you're really relying on your running backs. and I, I love their running backs, but I just don't know if they can get it done just relying on those guys. The receivers haven't really stood out. We knew that when they, when they lost Trey Bur- Traylon Burks, it was going to be a big step down. They need someone to step up, which they really haven't had yet. Matt Landers is a, uh, a big play threat, but he doesn't catch enough passes. And Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma has been solid, but they don't have that standout threat if, if they can't uh, rely on K.J. Jefferson as a dual threat. Uh, Mississippi State is a team that's playing really well. Last week, 
you know, that was a little bit of a deceiving final score, uh, 42-24 against A&M, but even Mike Leach admitted uh, score wasn't really indicative of how that game was played. A&M had, uh, a, you know, a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. I think that Mississippi State had a fumble uh, that they returned for a touchdown. So it, it, it wasn't quite the uh, four-point blowout or 26-point blowout, that, the 28-point blowout that it looks, because uh, I, I can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but A&M, or I'm, I'm sorry, Mississippi State is – Playing really well this year, four and one. Their lone loss at LSU. They're at home this game, so you know they're, they're, it seems like they're really playing well with the cowbell behind them. Uh, I, I I like Arkansas when Sam Pittman's an underdog. They really play well with that underdog mentality. I just can't have a whole lot of confidence unless I know Sam uh, unless I know uh, Sam Pittman has KJ Jefferson under center because otherwise I just don't know what that Arkansas offense looks like and it could be a scary situation for the Hogs. Chris Van Dyne's here with us on the program. Always appreciative of his time. Auburn and Georgia tomorrow should be a good one. Chris, thanks again for stopping by. Before you go though, please let us know about everything going on there at the website with you and Phil Steele. Oh, sure. Go to philsteel.com. He has the Inside the Press box uh, available this week. You want to get all Phil Steele's picks. You can follow me on Twitter, at ChrisV160. And I'm also uh, the host of the Power Suite podcast from North Coast Sports. Uh, so definitely check it out. Uh, Power Suite podcast, Twitter, at ChrisV160, and uh, philsteel.com for all your Phil Steele picks. Absolutely love it. We'll talk again soon, okay? Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. All right, that's Chris Van Dyne from Field Steel Publications. He's joining us here on Sports Call.